Let's pray together. Lord, we would not really know You were it not for the fact that You revealed Yourself to us. You've revealed Yourself to us in the beauty of nature. You have revealed Yourself in Your book, the Bible. But above all, You have revealed Yourself to us as the living Lord in Jesus Christ. Lord, fill us with grace and truth. Speak to us afresh from Your Holy Word that we might grow in our love for You. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Tony Campolo, uh, who's a sociologist, and he's, a, he's been a popular speaker, writer, tells of a time when he was a little boy, and he and a friend got together, and they concocted kind of a uh, Holly, uh, Halloween prank. And they decided that it would be really cool if they walked into the local five-and-dime store and then switched all the price tags so that a bobby pin now became $5 and a radio became $0.25. And uh, they thought that this would be great fun. They could, you know, they could watch as people came into the store and they would all be trying to figure out what the true price of things were and then the owner, you know, no doubt, you know, saying, who, who switched the price tags? Well, they thought that would be great fun, and I'm not sure if they actually carried that plan through or not. But you know, when it comes to our world's mixed-up values, that's a really good question. Who switched the price tags? It's the title of Campolo's book in which he observes... Sometimes I have the feeling that somebody has gone through our world and has switched the price tags on everything. Things that ought to be treated as precious like family and friends and faith are inconsequential. And things like a new BMW, membership in the country club, and the climb up the corporate ladder are all too often considered of great importance. Campolo says, I find people working and slaving and spending their money and their time on things that really don't matter and ignoring the things that do. Who switched the price tags? Why ignoring the important things? It makes me think of Peter Lynch. I don't know if you know who Peter Lynch is, but he was the, the financial wizard behind the highly successful Fidelity Magellan Mutual Fund. And it was Lynch who said, you know, at the end, when people are on their deathbed, they're never going to say, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. What's important? What do we treasure? What's of true value in our lives? What matters? And you know, you and I must constantly make value judgments. There are a million options as to how to spend our time, and our energy, and our resources, and we continually have to, you know, determine the worth of something. Is it worth it, or is it not? Is it worth it, or is it not? But we have to admit that oftentimes we get the price tags all switched around, and we pay way, way too much for something that is of relative value while shortchanging that which is of absolute value. 
Well, Jesus reminds us of what is most important in life in two uh, short parables. Uh, They're hard to find because they're just three verses, (laughs) and you practically have to have a magnifying glass to find them, but they're buried in the chapter in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. So this is God's Word for us today. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Amen. That's it. Okay, shall we say the benediction? (laughs) Well, Jesus in these two little parables used images that everybody in that day would have appreciated, they could understand. In the first of Jesus' images, the discovery of the buried treasure, it actually wasn't all that unusual. You know, today, you know, uh, we would love to find buried treasure, but, you know, rare. But in that day, it wasn't so rare. Um, Many times, you know, a farmer would be plowing his field and uh, he would hit something hard only to discover that there would be a chest of precious coins or, you know, special goods, maybe even jewels or, or what have you. Because you see, in the land that we call Israel today, Uh, The invaders would invariably come from the north and from the south time and time again. In fact, Israel really was a veritable battleground. And so people living in the land for security would bury their treasures to keep it out of the hands of marauders. But but what's so sad is that oftentimes the people who hid the treasure uh, were killed by the marauders or carried off into slavery, into exile. And so that treasure would be hidden in the field until accidentally discovered by somebody else. Jesus' listeners would have found, you know, would have really identified with that picture of of the buried treasure, and probably many of them would have had that experience. The second of Jesus' images, the discovery of a pearl of great value, would have impressed the audience because nothing was more precious than jewels, or I mean, more than pearls. The pearl was the most precious of jewels. Now, by that time, by Jesus' day, diamonds had been discovered, but they weren't really part of the Mediterranean culture. But pearls, oh, they were highly valued. In fact, much more than they are today. Just to give you an example, Cleopatra of Egypt had a pearl that was valued at 25 million denarii. Now, a a denarius was, one denarius was like a day's wages for a laborer. So if you figure that out, the value of the pearl that Cleopatra had would have been valued at, in today's dollars, four billion. Can you imagine that? I mean, that was one precious pearl. That was a special pearl. 
But now let's unpack the meaning of these two parables. Because as short as they are, they have a lot to teach us actually about the kingdom of God and the things that we ought to treasure the most. And the first thing we notice about these two parables is that as we look at the two men, they both come from very different stations in life. The man who buried the, who, who, rather who finds the buried treasure in the field is not the owner of the field. He's probably a hired hand working for the landowner. And according to rabbinic law, who, uh, whoever lifts treasure from its hiding place, uh, and if you're not the owner of that land, then you have to give that treasure over to the owner. And so you see, if that hired hand who found the treasure, if somehow he could buy that field, then he would be entitled to have that treasure. But that would have been hard to do for a poor hired man. In the second parable, the central character is not a poor man, but he's a wealthy merchant. He makes a living by buying and selling these precious pearls, traveling internationally, I'm sure, pursuing his business interests. And he finds his treasured pearl only after a lot of searching. So all of this is to say is this, that whether you're rich or poor, whether you stumble upon God's kingdom and find God by accident or by seemingly by accident, or only after a lot of spiritual soul searching, the kingdom of heaven is open to you. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from in life, what your story is, what your background is. The invitation to enter the kingdom of heaven is yours. And that is a blessing. What an incredible blessing that is. Though both men in the parables come from two very different walks of life, they both find treasure, a treasure of incomparable value that changes everything. Now, notice what the men do. They go and they sell everything to buy the field, to, to get the pearl, and they do so not only willingly, but they do so joyfully because they know what they're getting. Now, you know what they just did, what they've done here? They have performed a cost-benefit analysis. They have placed everything that they have on one side of the scale, you know, and then they've placed the newly discovered treasure, the pearl, on the other, only to discover that that treasure, that pearl, far outweighs everything they have, everything they could gain. And that treasure is none other than the kingdom of God found in Jesus Christ, the most precious thing in the world. Christ Himself is the treasure. He is the king. Now, I love how one pastor puts it, describing the treasure and its benefits. I wish I had written these words, but this is what he says, and I think it's great. Jesus Christ, having Him, knowing Him, enjoying Him, enjoying the forgiveness that He can provide, having our consciences made clean through His blood, 
being adopted into his family, made heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another, being guided in all our confusions, comforted in all our sorrows, rebuked in all our wanderings, preserved through all our dangers, and brought safely home at last. All of that makes Jesus Christ infinitely precious so that all who have him can say about the scriptures through which our Jesus speaks to us, they are more precious to us than gold. Psalm 19:10. And we can say to him what Job says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but you, Lord Jesus, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You are my treasure. You are the pearl of great price, more valuable to me than anything else. Jesus Christ Himself, the treasure, and what a treasure it is. makes me think of uh, the, the Apostle Paul who writes to the Philippians. This is what he says. He says, compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It's like dog dung. This is a contemporary version. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience His resurrection power. This treasure is so valuable that once you find it, it changes your life. Everything changes. Changes our priorities and our values, the way we think about God, the way we think about the people around us, the way that we think about the world. Once, you know, what we thought was so important now is not so much. You see, when we discover Jesus Christ, our treasure, and enter into His kingdom, the world looks different. You know, it is kind of like, and this says this in Scripture, it's like being born again or being born anew. You enter, when you discover this treasure, you actually enter into a whole different dimension, a whole new realm of life. It's not about, you know, tacking on to a, a rather successful life some nice moral principles from the Bible. That's not the treasure. Oh, I've got some good principles for living here. No. It's entering a whole new dimension, what's called the kingdom of God. You become citizen of a new kingdom, and you have a new ruler. Jesus Christ is the king, and all of a sudden, we then follow His priorities and not so much our own. So what we thought was so important is not so much now. We understand that He is our highest good. But now to receive that treasure, that is Christ, we have to give up something. It does involve a cost. To obtain the field, the farmhand must first sell. I mean, everything that he has, that farmhand, poor man as he was, had to scramble, maybe borrowed from relatives or whatever, so that he could buy that field and obtain the treasure. To buy the pearl, the merchant had to let go of all the other pearls and the other things that he'd been treasuring. You have to be willing to sell everything, but you do so with joy because what you get is so much greater. So what does it mean to sell everything? I mean, what does that mean? Go, sell everything, get that treasure. Basically, it means 
looking at anything in your life, and you say, you know what? Nothing is more important than Jesus Christ in my life. If it's a choice between this or this or this and Jesus, then I will pick Jesus every time. It's a matter of where your heart is. Where, you know, your greatest allegiance lies. Where your true treasure lies. Selling everything means letting go of all that is not Christ at the center and the foundation and the source of satisfaction in our lives. And holding on to that treasure no matter what. But could it be that you and I have mixed up the price tags and that we're holding on to things that really aren't worthy of our heart's ultimate allegiance? I mean, are we holding on to trinkets, mere imitations of what is truly precious? Do we find ourselves actually living in spiritual poverty because we don't properly value the treasure that is being offered to us in Jesus? C.S. Lewis aptly describes our lives. He says, we are still making mud pies in a slum because we don't believe in an offer of a holiday at the beach. Our problem is not that we love pleasure too much. Our problem is that we are too easily pleased. You see, we so easily settle for what is less than great, what is less than important. We settle for cheap imitations and counterfeit treasures in this life while missing out on all the spiritual riches of Christ. So, this new year presents us with new opportunities to take stock of our priorities, to take a look at our values, to realign our lives around what is most important, and you, would, you and I would do well to perform an honest cost-benefit analysis. What are we giving our lives to? Where are we spending all of our time? Is it on the most important stuff? Or is it something else? And when we think about it, we have to say, man, what a waste. Life marches on. Lord, help me to focus on what is truly important here. So what do we treasure the most? Now, it's very easy for church people to say, well, of course it's Jesus. Of course. No, God is everything to me. That's what church people say. But we have to ask ourselves honestly, I mean, is it really the case? Is He really our first love? Is He Lord? Is He our highest good? Is He the center of our lives? Uh, Tim Keller in one of his books, or I guess it was one of his sermons, suggests that we take a couple of self-administered tests to see if that's true. The first is called the solitude test. Archbishop William Temple said, if you want to know what you really worship, if you want to know what you really treasure, if you want to know what your real God is, where does your mind go during solitude when you don't have to think of anything else, when there's nothing else that's making you think of anything else? When your mind can go wherever you want it to go, where does it go? 
What do you fantasize about effortlessly? What do you worry about effortlessly? Whatever that is, is probably that which you treasure most. It's what you worship. So that's the solitude test. When you're not thinking about anything in particular, what are you thinking about? (laughs) Where does your mind go? That becomes your chief preoccupation. So there's the solitude test, and then there's the nightmare test. And the nightmare test is to ask yourself, what is it that if I should lose it, I would feel like throwing myself off a bridge? What is it that would be your greatest nightmare? Well, what the solitude test shows, what the nightmare test shows is what your heart treasures most. But if you and I treasure Jesus more than anything else, if He's the most precious reality in our lives, then I think we have to ask, does our life reflect it? When people look at us do they, can they see that we prize Christ? Do we prize a relationship with Christ more than anything else? But you know how it is with treasure, you know, if you were to stumble upon buried treasure, you know what? You wouldn't want to share it. <laughs> you know, what do you do? You, 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 you know, you keep the treasure hidden so you can have it all for yourself. I mean, if you're out in the ocean and you're looking for shipwrecks and you find a bunch of Spanish coins down at the bottom of the ocean, you're not going to tell other boats where that treasure is. You're going to keep it to yourself. But now here's the thing that's different about Jesus, who is the most precious treasure that anybody could find, is that there's more than enough treasure to go around. So you know what? This is treasure we can share. I mean, what is most precious in our life can be shared with other people so that they too can experience the kingdom of God and the spiritual riches of Christ Himself. Treasure to be shared, precious treasure. Uh, There's an old rabbinic story about a rabbi in Russia, Rabbi Shmilke. And one day, a very poor man came begging at his door, saying, I have nothing, and I have to feed my five children, and I have, I cannot feed them. I need your help. Can you help me? But the rabbi was very kind. He had a compassionate heart. heart, You know, he, he really could empathize with this poor man. And he remembered that his wife had one precious jewel, now, the thing is, is that the, the rabbi and the wife were as poor as the guy at the door begging. But his wife did have this one precious jewel. And you know what that man did, what, rab, what the rabbi did? He did what no man should ever dare to do. He gave his wife's only precious jewel to the beggar. And no sooner had he given the, the jewel to the beggar and shut the door He was found out by his wife, and was she ever mad? 
What did you just do? Do you know that that was a very precious jewel? How could you? And so the rabbi immediately ran after the man and said to him, I just found out that that jewel I gave you is more precious than I thought. Don't sell it for too little. And I think that's kind of a parable for you and I as we share Christ today. The good news about Jesus, and the good news is Jesus himself, is incredibly precious. So precious that we got to share it with everybody, you know, go tell it on the mountain. People everywhere need it. But whatever you do, don't devalue it or cheapen it or take it for granted. Let us pray. Our Father, we praise you that Jesus is infinitely valuable. Would you help us to prize him Forgive us for the pursuit of empty counterfeits that has marked our lives and grant us grace now as we come to the Lord's table to meet Him and to bow before Him, to feast on Him and to make Him alone our treasure. For we ask it in His name. Amen.